0: You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, and I'm your host, Brett Fisher. These are edited audio-only versions of my YouTube live show that you can join every Thursday at brett.live. This podcast is sponsored by my Patreon members. I'd like to thank all the paid supporters that make this show possible. Oh, yeah, and since it's the season of giving, I would like to ask you, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, that you give us a rating and possibly even a review. I'd really appreciate it. You can get more info and follow my updates on all the content and open source I'm creating at patreon.com slash Brett And as a reminder, all the links for this show, the topics we discuss, as well as the links I've already mentioned, are available on the podcast website at podcast.brettfisher.com. I'm joined this week by Mark Church, the product manager of GKE Networking at Google. Previously, he was at Docker, where we met at DockerCon and many of the other Docker events in years past. And we've kept in touch. And now that he's over at Google, he's working on a new project called Gateway API, which is specifically for Kubernetes. So this show is focused on that. And if you're someone who's actually implemented anything like an ingress in Kubernetes, you might understand some of the dilemmas that that community is going through right now. In Kubernetes land, we have this official ingress spec that ideally all of the vendors, whether it's Nginx or HAProxy or Traffic or Envoy or Contour, like you name it, there's just a ton of options for essentially a reverse proxy for your cluster, which we now call ingress, And that community has suffered around the limitations of the official spec. So what we've ended up with is a ecosystem of every tool implementing their own spec, their own YAML specifications. And it's been a little difficult to try to make your cluster manifests truly portable between clusters unless every one of those clusters was using the exact same ingress provider. So there's the problem. And Mark is going to go through in this episode what they're trying to do about it. He's part of a team that's implementing a new open source idea as a SIG, a special interest group inside the Kubernetes ecosystem to do what's now called Gateway API, which I'm just going to loosely define right now as a superset of what we've seen in Ingress so far. And it tries to solve more advanced problems in bigger teams. And I think it's got some real potential. We're just going to have to wait and see. This was filmed in early 2021. So I encourage you to go check out the project. Of course, the links will be in the show notes and see what the progress has been since the eight months ago that it was actually recorded. Now, I'm going to apologize before we get to the episode real quick, because during this show, near the end, when we were taking a lot of Q&A, Basically, Mark lost audio, and it was my fault. It was actually the software I was using had a bug in it that somewhere around 45 minutes into the live stream, your guest's audio stops working. And the only way to fix it is to completely restart the stream, which, of course, we didn't do since we were live. So I did take some questions after he was cutting out there. So you will see the episode kind of ends abruptly, but I think we got most of the questions answered most of the good stuff out of the way. So... Hopefully enjoy this great conversation about all the world of ingress and gateway APIs with Mark Church of Google. It's exciting this week because I get to reconnect with a good friend from Docker that we've been around the conference scene for many years. Welcome to the show, Mark Church of Google. Thanks, Brett. Our history is basically with Docker. So Mark used to work at Docker and we would see each other at DockerCon and other events, and we would talk about a lot of this container stuff in the real world. And that's what I always appreciated about our talks is we both were sort of down to earth about the challenges of getting all this cool tech to work, how companies are implementing it in great and not so great ways. And hopefully we'll get into some of that today. But real quick, let's talk about what's your background? How did you get to Google? Give us the brief synopsis.
1: Yeah, so I started in this industry working for Cisco doing physical networking when the network, well, when things were still physical, right? So we had real switches and routers that we were working with. Ended up going to Docker after I had three customers mention it to me in the same week. And then at Docker was doing both solution architecture and product management. Uh, And now I'm at Google doing container networking. So it's basically combining what I did at Cisco and why I did Docker in kind of making the networking world more container native.
0: So networking with containers has had a, I will call it a rocky road, because it seemed all easy at first and wonderful. When Docker first came out, we all learned like the Docker built-in bridge networking. And it was like, man, I don't need a network engineer anymore. And then then we got to, this is my interpretation of the history. We got to multi-server clusters and suddenly it all got complicated again.
1: For good yes, reason, So, but it's so funny because multiple times it was sold as this is the new thing that's going to make containers or networking container new. And it was first, it was like, okay, you could do a bridge or you could do a link between containers and it's like, cool, I can get a container to talk to another container on the same host. And then the next big thing was multi host networking. Okay. We need some sort of an overlay network. Swarm had it built in mm-hmm. from the start, and, and that was the big thing. And it's funny now, it's the same thing repeated over and over, because now I talk to a lot of customers around multi-cluster networking. So they're looking at, okay, well, I've got all these containers in one cluster that might be in a different region or a different data center. And, and how do I talk between all of these clusters? So that's, I feel like where we're at right now.
0: So yeah, we, f- we started with a single machine. Then we went through m- many iterations of how multiple machines can talk together. And now we're talking cross cluster, which is, yeah, that's the next, that's the new frontier is we all realized, oh, I'm not going to have just one production cluster. (laughs) I'm going to have many. And I don't know what the next step after that is. Multiplanetary space. That's, that's I was I, going, honestly, I I, space was on the tip of my tongue. I was getting ready to say, "We're going to get our internet from space, so might as well just network our space." And by the time we get to Mars, we'll probably really need to commit to IP 6 Though we'll probably need to be serious about that. I
1: don't know if it's going to be done by then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> In 2006, I was all about IPv6. I was teaching it. I was putting it into my my work, and I was tr- you know trying to convince people at the office that there's all these benefits. And here we are. Yeah, you know, 15 years later, at least in America, no IP6. I just checked my cable company yesterday. I got a new modem, no IP6. So, no IP6. I'm not upset about that, but, you know, it it would be nice if we could not have both and have to deal with both. So, it's good joke material. Yeah, it is. It is. You could do a stand-up on IP6. So, if we take it back a second, if you're dealing with networking, there is the CNI stuff where we get to choose how our pods talk and how our nodes talk and all that. But what you're focusing on seems to be more about the incoming traffic, not necessarily the node traffic. Is that true?
1: Kind of. I'm glad you brought up CNI because it's another interface, standardized interface that's well known in the container world. And CNI is like a southbound interface that is telling some sort of a networking driver that is controlling the actual network that things are running on, how pods get IP addresses, and how the routing should work and how pods get connectivity. So I would really call that kind of like a southbound API that's between the container world and then the infrastructure world beneath it. The APIs that we're talking about today are more what I've called northbound API, not north-south traffic, but between the user and the container infrastructure. So if we have infra and then containers and then users, uh, that's the layer that we're talking about. All
0: right, and to me, the the beginning of that was ingress. So, can you give us a brief history of ingress, also load balancers? Because I know when I was first learning, the confusion about ingress versus load balancers and why they both exist.
1: Oh yeah, I think very early on, you were sending traffic to a host IP address to get to your containers, and and the network had no knowledge of the container itself because. They were processes running on the host, and they were masked by whatever the host IP address was. So you're getting there and it was bridging things and getting to the containers. And very early on, you need some sort of a load balancing infrastructure because your host is, you know, can be temporary, it can go down. So you need to put a load balancer in front of those hosts. And this was the model for a long time in which load balancers just sat and they just pointed at hosts and the host did the rest of the routing. If you look at NodePort and Kubernetes, that's an example of this, but it's somewhat inefficient because you're going through multiple layers of load balancing. And so what people really wanted is, I want to have my load balancer be aware of my container IP addresses and then send them traffic directly. But I don't want to go and use the configuration language of the load balancer itself because we're not dealing with a static environment anymore. We're dealing with containers that come and go a lot. They're very ephemeral. And because of that, we need something that's more dynamic that can pick up the state of the containers, where they're living, and then construct a configuration for load balancer in whatever the configuration format that the load balancer uses, and then continuously update that. And that was basically the birth of ingress controllers. give me a controller that's watching the state of the container infrastructure and then managing the load balancer for me.
0: Okay, I like it. So the ingress that I learned was when it first came out, it was probably alpha, but I didn't start learning it until it became beta. So for those of you that are remembering your Kubernetes training, there are versions of these resources, these default things and these third-party things we add into our Kubernetes clusters, they have versions and a lot of them that come out of the official Kubernetes project come out as a like a V1 alpha one kind of thing. And then eventually they get to V1 beta one. And we all normally hear about these things when they become beta. And then eventually they're supposed to go version one. And I was using the Ingress to control various website names, Mm -hmm. doing simple stuff with host headers and stuff like that. I was using that for years in the beta, it seemed like years at least, in this beta format, V1, beta one version. And then last year we saw that go V1. Was there a big deal with that? Does V1 matter on our way to talking about Gateway?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of just crossing the finish line for something that was very close to being there. So, for instance, it, it rounded it out. It, the, the thing is with any API, especially in the Korean community, if it gets enough usage in a particular stage, it becomes a de facto GA. People put it in production. And then once that starts to happen in mass, there's no going back. It's, it's de facto GA and companies contractually, they, they have to support it. And if you look at all the managed Kubernetes offerings, they all support ingress beta one. So getting it across the finish line was, was an important yeah. milestone. It did fix some things that were not right in the original API spec. Like now, it created an ingress class, um, which is useful. It offers now some more extensions for different types of path matching, and it can point to not just a service but an arbitrary CRD, which is pretty useful too. So, little things that kind of got across the finish line, and that's right. that's where ingress is today.
0: It's one of those that if those of you are out there that are dealing with ingress at all, for me, it's memorable because the move to V1 actually changed all my YAML. (laughs) Because a lot of times we'll move from a beta to a V1 and a Kubernetes thing, and the resourced uh, YAML specification doesn't change. But on this one, it did. Not necessarily drastically, but it it was a subtle change that I'm actually currently updating my courses on because I've been riding on the V1 beta 1 high for so long in those courses. So when we talk about the idea of this gateway API, what were some of the problems? It seems like we have a lot, right? We We have the CNI stuff for the, like the the Southbound stuff you're talking about, we have Ingress, we have other you know lo- service types, load balancers, where were the problems that, that you were trying to solve with Gateway API?
1: Yeah, so it's a good question. It's what needs, why do we need a, yet another thing? For a long time, there's been a lot of complaints around Ingress being a lowest common denominator. And, and Ingress was also developed at a time where the functionality that people were looking for was relatively basic. And it was developed, it does host and path matching and TLS, and it sends it to backends. So that's in a nutshell, what is what Ingress does. Uh, And people have gotten a very, very long way with just that. But steadily over the last four years, all the companies that had different Ingress controllers, and I think there's 15 or more out there now, it kind of created an entire ecosystem of different load balancing players that were doing more dynamic and container native things, which was really neat. Uh, But they all had their own customizations on top of it using annotations. And then that was kind of originally they're putting annotations on it for their own custom functionality. But then furthermore, they started just creating their own CRDs to represent it. Um, And we realized that a bunch of different companies, if you look at Kong, if you look at Solo, if you look at Trafic, they now all have a lot of their own custom CRDs to represent the same thing. And so users aren't getting the portability anymore. And each company is trying to have to develop their own custom thing when they're all doing pretty similar stuff.
0: Yeah. And the portability, it's one of those things I feel like it's not a big deal until it is. It's not until you're trying to, yeah. When you're just in one cloud or in one environment and you're choosing tools, everything's wonderful. But the minute you need to be somewhere else and you want to reuse some of your YAML and you can't, that's where you get frustrated and you're like, I thought the dream of Kubernetes was everything could be portable and everything, common control playing with all these common uh, APIs.
1: Multi-cloud, multi-planetary, right. whatever, right. you know.
0: Nowadays, I'll be honest, in a lot of places I see where someone tries the built-in ingress, it doesn't do everything they want, and, they, and they'll quickly get tired of using annotations. And for those of you that uh, have not used a, a lot of ingress, the annotations are basically a bunch of metadata, but they're not normally checked by the kubernetes api so one of the easy common problems with that is that you put them in and then they don't work but you didn't get any validation so you don't know why it didn't work it's hard to troubleshoot so quickly i felt like a lot of us just went whatever the tool of choice was right whatever we were choosing we use their custom resource I mentioned traffic and we stuck with that and we just have to say, well, everywhere we go, we just have to use that particular ingress provider, even if that's not the one that we want everywhere or whatever, or we just have to give up the fact that we're gonna have the same YAML. And we, now what we're doing is I feel like we're putting the burden on every single proxy company to implement all the features that they would normally have, you would have normally in a a default API, now they have to implement it. So they have to have some of the things we're going to be talking about where you have multiple roles and they have to have RBAC permissions, to different parts of the URL and all these different things that become a concern in a larger group. Suddenly, now we're burdening every proxy vendor with that. And I'm glad when you reached out and asked me if we want to talk about this, I didn't know anything about it. And upon reading the front page, I was kind of sold because I realized that we need to remove that burden from a lot of these companies so they can innovate on their product and stop worrying about how to write CRDs for Kubernetes, because that's a a separate job that people are already doing in groups like yours. Take us to Gateway API. Give us the elevator pitch for when we might want to start looking at this thing.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the role oriented organizational aspect of it, because that's actually something that Gateway does really well. And it's not just about portability. Having similar YAML across environments is great, but it's not that hard to learn a new CRD, especially when it looks just like something else you've used. But a really challenging aspect of networking is providing a role-oriented experience for users, because there's all kinds of policies that impact load balancing. For instance, if there are certain TLS versions that can be used, or there are certain timeouts that should be defaulted to, or uh, specific certs that should be used for termination. Ingress is a monolithic resource. It defines TLS and all your matching, and then your, your mappings to services, all in one resource. And to provide policy on that kind of thing, you can certainly do it with the tools that do policy on Kubernetes resources. But it's more challenging because it's not really native to the resource model itself. And so, what Gateway was, Gateway is really splitting it out into more pieces so that the load balancer infrastructure or the networking infrastructure in general um, can be shared by multiple teams. So, infrastructure is built to be shared, right? Whether it's roads or power plants or Kubernetes clusters. Um, And this is very much a thing about UX, which is what are the needs of different roles from a networking perspective such that we can give them a separation of concerns. So that wasn't an elevator pitch at all, but I did talk about the role-oriented side of what Gateway is. And that,
0: I'm a big fan of solo DevOps, not because I like it, but because there are so many people that have to be the single DevOps person. And often they get thrown the problem of ingress and proxies and load balancers and IPs and ports that becomes their job in small teams. And it's, when we don't have tools like this, where it's easy for you to say, hey, look, I want to maintain the, the cluster, but I'm going to give you a little bit of this permission so you can deploy your apps without needing me, right? When the tools don't necessarily support that easily, it just becomes the burden of that same person that's the solo DevOps person gets stuck with all of this work because they can't safely give an application developer access to anything without running the risk of them having to know the whole cluster, know everything about the cluster before they can change anything. And anytime that we can delegate a section of some piece of the pie, like, Uh, RBAC and all of the cluster role stuff that we get with Kubernetes. I'm a a huge fan of it because we we all start, unless you're in a big team already, we all start with that single cluster and we're the person that's setting it up. Maybe there's two of you and you know all of it. And then you're like, okay, I don't want to do this work anymore. It's toil. Let me give it to the person that's creating that web app. And then you realize, oh, I can't. (laughs) If I do, then they could overwrite all of the things and that would be problems.
1: Exactly. So this solves an organizational problem. If you're a team of two operating Kubernetes clusters in in a small company, you don't have this problem. Ingress works fine for you. But in most large companies, you do have some separation between the person who administers the cluster and some of the infrastructure and the person who owns the application. But the application owner does need to have some aspect of ownership over the networking. And and this is an example that we use a lot that I think works well is, let's say there's two different teams, right? There's a store team and a developer team, and the store developer wants to do a a rollout between two different services, two different versions. And they want to control, do a blue-green traffic migration between them, and then have all the knobs do that themselves. But the cluster operator maybe has all kinds of default policies, and maybe they want to control the TLS termination, Um, and other things. So this really does require separate resources. And it also requires separate resources that can connect, that can bind with each other across namespace boundaries, because our namespace boundary is also our back boundary. And so that's where it becomes really valuable for large teams. And so it lets each role do the things that are important to them.
0: I can see this being used in not even a large team, but just a teams where you maybe have a separate DevOps team in different organizations, they will do that where they have this dedicated team. That's essentially at this point, they're playing the cluster operators that might be that in some organizations that I see, that's kind of the DevOps people in this case, because they're the ops of the Kubernetes clusters. And they're the ones that understand let's encrypt and under, understand cert manager. And, and they know all the different routes and all the different ingresses, probably because they had to create them. So they've kind of got it in their brain. They've probably got a repo somewhere. But the site developer that's making the website, they want to update it every day and they want to make new URLs and new redirects and 301s from this place to that. And they don't know any of this stuff, you know, they just run run the website. And so I can see this being very applicable, even when it's smaller teams, but it just so happens that you have assigned roles and you don't want to have to be the guinea not the guinea pig the linchpin you don't want to have to be that one person that doesn't allow that everyone's waiting on to get something done
1: yeah that's totally true and and the common result is the ownership has to go on one side or the other either you've got a developer that has to do way more infrastructure stuff than they want to Mm -hmm. or you have the infrastructure person who has to know way more about the app than they want to. And so the developer has to go ask them for permission every time they want to do something small, which slows the whole team down. It's really about that problem.
0: Yeah. I think we already answered one of the questions, which was what are the gateway API roles classified for dev and ops people? So I think that definitely covers some of that. One of the questions, and maybe this is going to take us down a different rabbit hole, but when does this intersect with third-party tooling? Because I'm seeing this and I'm like, how does this work with Nginx? Like, how is this related to traffic or... Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. So we actually have this awesome implementations page that shows the companies that are currently working on implementations. So Contour, which is a project that's backed by both VMware and Red Hat. Yeah. They've been on the show. GK. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Sloka is one of the people that shows up regularly to contribute. Nice. Yep, it all comes around. In GKE, we're working on an implementation right now. We're working on a multi-cluster and single-cluster controller that uses Gateway. It's it's very cool. Istio actually is has an alpha implementation, Kong, and Trafic. And these are just the ones so far. New contributors or supporters come out of the woodwork every couple of weeks, so it's definitely growing in importance here.
0: I'm assuming that the, the more work that these because essentially in a lot of these cases when we're all using crds when each one of these has their own crd we're doing a bunch of repetitive work like everybody's re-implementing the same ideas maybe in a slightly different way with a slightly different syntax but a lot of these concepts i can see how let's move this upstream and have something that's coming out of kubernetes that we can depend on so when these are implementations are these essentially controllers that they're Modifying to speak, is, is Gateway expected to be eventually like a native API that's coming out of the box with the Kubernetes API?
1: Yeah, good questions about the word use of custom CRDs, which I think is funny because I feel like people say all the time, it's just they're yeah. saying custom CRD, custom resource definition. <laughs> so right now it's implemented as CRDs, but it is implemented as a CRD that is being used as a standard, right? So it means multiple different companies that really don't have anything to do with each other are all conforming to the same CRD, which over time, I I think Kubernetes is, they're really reducing the number of resources that can become cores. And I've heard a lot of, in the future, everything is a CRD. Um, So maybe they become core. I don't know if there's a path for that, but certainly if they become the de facto standard, then it's V1, beta one. It just, everyone uses it and it kind of is what it is.
0: Yeah. And I think it's more of a, if it's built in, uh, from an educator point of view, I think of this as, that's not necessarily better because if it's built in, but we're also used to that being the path for the official default way you should try to use something. And and I agree that, yeah, a lot of these, especially like with the, the CSI stuff and moving a lot of these things to outside of the core API and shrinking the binaries down and all that stuff. I, I'm a big fan of that. So you're thinking that someone gets a cluster, they need more, and this is another question, does this replace Ingress? Does this work in tandem?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So you can use both of them in your cluster together, right? They're just different resources that control load balancer. Sure. You can even have, and this is just changing terminology a little bit, instead of an ingress controller, you'll have a gateway controller. So these are all technically gateway control. You can have both resources in your cluster, you can even have the same gateway controller that is watching for ingress resources and watching for gateway resources. From a usage standpoint, yes it does replace the ingress api that was the intention is to up level the expressiveness and the role orientedness uh of the ingress api to suit the all the new functionality uh, that had become so common across all the different ingress and load balancer controllers you would use this to do the same thing that you're using ingress to do today
0: so you're thinking of it as a superset whereas if i implement this i can optionally not require but i can optionally just move all of my stuff out of the ingress resource type and move them to the types here, which leads me to another question around, what are these? Do you have a list of the new resource types that I need to be concerned with if I implement this?
1: Yeah, there's three common ones, gateway class, gateway, and HTTP route. There is also a TCP route out there and a proposal for a gRPC route. In in essence, we decided that kind of like an Istio virtual service, you have, a, it matches a bunch of different protocols. Mm -hmm. But from an evolutionary standpoint, for us to develop these different protocol matchers independently, because the needs of gRPC matching or some other protocol are, you know, different than HTTP. And so having them in separate resources actually allows different people to work on them and for those resources to evolve independently.
0: I'm a huge fan of that because one of the ways that I work with and teach these tools is often using explain at the command line to discover the API if you don't want to use the browser to discover the API and having more smaller resource types is something that I've become a big fan of because if you try to teach someone a deployment, for example, which is one of the ways that you can have 300 lines of YAML is to just deal with the nested problem of deployments down to replica sets, down to pods, down to the container template, down all the way to the storage and everything else. And you just end up with, okay, even to just deploy one application, you have to learn all these different resources. So the fact that you have them broken out like this, I'm already thinking this this is the way I want to go now because I can do this up front and then grow as I go. Just because I don't have the needs necessarily for gateway, I can still use it for the same things I'm using Ingress for today, but I can just maybe later enable the extra functionality that I might need.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. Gateway is also a very abstract resource type. It represents a data plane that can route. So nothing in the proposal says anything about gateway just being for north-south traffic, just for Mm -hmm. ingress traffic. There is a proposal actually at the last IstioCon around using gateway to represent service mesh so that your routes do the same thing as a virtual service does. And the routes bind with the gateway that represents the service mesh. And these routes just end up configuring sidecar proxies. Uh, Because at the end of the day, when you look at The routing requirements or what what you need to configure uh, in a service mesh versus ingress, they have very similar semantics. You're not going to be using public certs and doing some of the things you do at the edge, but in terms of just the routing semantics and the policy that you apply to them, it's pretty similar and theoretically it can be represented with the same API. So one of the intentions for Gateway is to be kind of an abstract resource that doesn't really imply a direction. It represents a data plane and then routes bind to it that basically that represent the full configuration of the underlying data plane. For Ingress, it makes sense. These routes merge together. And if this was Nginx, they would merge together to one Nginx config um, that configures your proxies.
0: Okay. And if I'm thinking of responsibilities on this, if I remember correctly, there's the gateway class and that's like my cloud provider that worries about that. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So gateway class. I'll just talk a little bit about some of the challenges that we had in GKE and GCP around this. GCP has many load balancers. There's an external one uh, that is proxies all around the world. There's internal layer seven ones, layer four, internal and external, and so on. And one of the challenges within the API was really to have it be self-describing in terms of what capabilities it has. And to package those in like neat little boxes. And that's one thing the gateway class does for us. It, it works very similarly to the storage class where you might have a cluster and let's say the cluster comes with some, you know, built-in load balancing capabilities, or you can, if you install Trafic, it installs the gateway classes from Trafic or something like that. And so the cluster operator uses the gateway class. They go and they say cut, look at gateway class and they can see there might be a couple available that have different capabilities. And then they're like templates. You can deploy gateways from these gateway classes. The gateway is an instance of the gateway class. So the gateway is the thing that actually gets a BIP and listens for traffic. It models and represents the actual data plane. And then the routes are just configuration on that data plane. Okay.
0: When I'm concerned around gateway, is that specific to different protocols, like you're talking about the HTTP route, or do I not even define those at the gateway layer? Yeah, a gateway
1: has the reference to a gateway class. And it has a list of listeners, which are basically where it's accepting traffic, where you specify a protocol and a port. And then also you specify what kind of routes can bind to this gateway. And this gets into the role-oriented aspect of things, which is who can actually use this load balancer? Because there are Kubernetes clusters out there that are 5,000 nodes large with many teams working on them. And there's many different models for how you might want to share your network infrastructure. You might want to deploy one for every namespace so that that team gets to use it. You might want to have one that the whole cluster uses across namespaces. Or different models, you could have one for many clusters. So this kind of allows you to deploy the gateway in the model that suits whatever level of sharing your organization wants to do.
0: Okay. Simple enough. I have a list of questions. So considering Gateway API is still under development, what time do you think a developer should get into basically learning ingress? Should a developer today still learn ingress or should they go directly to this?
1: Today, this API is in V1 Alpha 1 state. So it was originally kicked off, this project was kicked off about a year and a half ago at KubeCon San Diego. It's been progressing for a year. We hit V1 Alpha 1 a couple months ago. Uh, There's been a couple revs since then. I would expect that it, it'll go into V1 Beta 1 probably within the next four or five months or so, uh, certainly this year. So I think that in Q2 or Q3, when it hits V1 Beta 1, is probably the time where it makes sense for developers just to even you know, start looking at it. For now, I think it's more of an infrastructure person thing where they might be getting interested. In it. We're certainly looking for user feedback. We have a lot of vendors working on this and seeing how they would develop their products using Gateway API, but it certainly helps to have users that can take part in the development and give us feedback.
0: So if a user wants to try this out, and we can probably reiterate this at the end, but they're gonna need to go to that list of the essentially the third-party tools that would support this gateway. So it's about adding this CRD and then adding, and then following the guide for whichever implementation they choose. From that list. Can I do this on any cloud right now, or do they have to support the gateway class first?
1: So you can do this anywhere. So, so here's the thing: there's gateway controllers and ingress controllers come in various forms. There's ones that control hardware load balancers like an F5 or a Citrix. There's there's ones that are cloud provider specific. They control the cloud provider infrastructure. And then there's in-cluster or software-only ones like Trafic. And so Any of these controllers could support the gateway API. For instance, the one that we're working on in GKE is going to control cloud infrastructure. That's actually going to come out in a couple of weeks right before KubeCon. And so that'll control the external and internal layer seven load balancers. But you could get started with this right now with Trafic. So if you want to use the Istio Ingress right now and deploy it with the gateway guys, it does work. It's in experimental, but it is uh, implemented right now.
0: Yeah. So if you're someone, and and I totally agree with you, if you're someone who's learning Kubernetes, absolutely learn Ingress the default ingress, right? So you have the default resource ingress coming out of the box. If you're on the latest versions of Kubernetes, then you'll be getting that V1 of ingress. And I think that's really important because even if Gateway is in the future for a lot of us, it's going to be probably some time and it's not going to necessarily be all clusters that we're going to use it in. So uh, it's one of those things where like when I talk about CI and everyone's what's the future of CI and I'm I'm really bullish on GitHub Actions, but I always tell people that if they want to learn continuous integration, they probably should just learn Jenkins as a part of it. Because there's so much of it out there that people kind of assume you should know it. And I would say the same thing. If you're learning Kubernetes, if you're planning on using Kubernetes as an application developer full-time, or if you're going to run it, if you're going to run a Kubernetes cluster, you absolutely should should learn Ingress too, right? Learn the service types, the load balancer type, and then learn Ingress, kind of the way that my courses teach it. And then I can see this is something that you get to tinker with in your free time. Then maybe come back end of year, beginning of next year when this thing is in beta. We've had a couple of KubeCons where Mark and the team are all talking about it so we've got a bunch of great talks that show a bunch of examples of real world usage and then our providers all of these teams and tools that, like those have gotten out of their alpha stages and they're comfortable with it and hopefully we've got you're not the first you know person to try this in the real world in a real company of course a lot of us we have some people that are hobbyists and they're doing this as, as a way to learn and not necessarily doing their job and then there's people that are doing it in their job and i always talk about if the cluster makes money, then. Your reputation is on the line if you choose a tool like this too early. So all of us know that risk. Um, It
1: it is early. It is definitely early in the project. But for the people that want to experiment and get involved, it's a great time. For people that if you're new to Kubernetes, I I would definitely look at the core resources and ingress and service that that currently exists. The, The good thing that I was just going to mention is that this is actually a comparison actually, it is designed to be very similar, right? If you want to do a host name matching, that's there, path match, here's references to your services. While you can't actually configure TLS other things on the route, you can also delegate those things to the gateway. And so the API looks more complex because we have more resources, but for the individuals that are using it, like the developer is using, is just interfacing with the route. There's actually less things that they're thinking about and, and less things they have to configure. Uh, right. So for the Individuals using each part of the API for them, it's actually making their world simpler than it is with Ingress.
0: So someone today, I could see where they're either learning or implementing Ingress. And at some point, you and I were talking about this before the show, at some point, you hit the limits of the Ingress built in and you wanna try that third party CRD. Obviously, I'm trying to not say custom CRD. My brain wants to (laughs) automatically do that. So I'm gonna just use the case of traffic. And they have this, I think it's like Ingress resource or Ingress something that is their custom CRD, basically their resource type that they create just for them. So I can see now, those of you that are implementing Ingress and concerned about this stuff today, once you get to that point where you're maybe considering the vendor's CRD, which at this point is probably quite feature rich and probably is pretty mature because it's been they've been doing that probably for years. And you're looking at that and probably... At this point, you might just be, in the back of your mind, aware that Gateway is coming and that it may affect this and make things a little easier for you, especially if that company doesn't provide the role-based, what did you call it, the persona-oriented API?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a role-oriented API. Yeah.
0: And so if they don't implement that in their own, and that's a concern of yours, then you're definitely going to want to keep this sort of track the the gateway API. And this is an actual SIG, right? So who's involved with this? Who's working on this? Obviously, some of the vendors are because they're trying to implement it, but yeah, who are the maintainers? So
1: it was originally proposed at KubeCon in the SIG network community, the same community that brought you CNI, same community that brought you the service resource and endpoint slice and ingress has been working on this and vendors, Red Hat, VMware, Google, Trafic, Kong, and recently Solo as well, all are not only creating their own implementations, but they're contributing to the API. So there's discussions about what are the different levels where TLS should be configurable, should an application developer, if they want to terminate their own TLS with their own cert, should they be able to reference the cert on the route? And then that'll supersede the gateway. What kind of rules or logic does that need? Discussions like this around what should the standard be like? And right. so that's what's going on right now. And and there's certainly more design left to do. And that's why we're talking about it and trying to get more user feedback.
0: Yeah. Could this end up being like the 80-20 of all of, instead of ingress v2, that this become the 80-20 rule of all of the... K- all of the, I'm just going to keep saying it, all of the custom CRDs from all of the providers because they all implement a lot of different specific implementation details. Like you were saying, you mentioned like gRPC, we talked about role-based stuff. Is that sort of them coming together and saying, look at all the stuff that we're doing on our own. Can we get some of that added to this so that we don't have to do it ourselves?
1: I'm I'm really happy you asked that question because that is one of the toughest parts of creating any standard that multiple mm-hmm. companies have to conform to is how do you do it so that you don't create a lowest common denominator? Because if something where, okay, this is the standard, we're all conforming to this, then everybody has to do that. Everybody else has to support that. And if there's one, a couple companies that don't support some aspects of it, well, that becomes the line <laughs> where the standard stops. Yeah. And so this is what Ingress did. It did pretty much every layer seven load balancer out there it does host-based uh, matching and path-based matching and TLS. And so that was an easy place to start, but it didn't go beyond that because it didn't really figure out how to solve that problem of lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. So there's a conformance guideline that actually has been working really well, where there's different levels of conformance for different fields within the API. And one is core, which is basically, it means that it must be supported in every vendor that supports the gateway API. So. Something like the gateway listener field. And mm. the gateway listener field has like a port and a protocol. You have to support that field or else how does how does you it know where to listen? So You don't
0: get to play in our sandbox if you don't support this field. Yeah.
1: It's kind of the basics just to get a load balancer working. And so there's a lot of those that are in core. And then uh, a bunch that are in extended, for instance, like header-based matching. But While AP you're I describing this,
0: I'm actually quite interested because this gets into the nuances of how you choose a product because this reminds me of C and I basic networking versus network policy, and how you choose a product to, to help you with your networking problems. And that product may not support these more advanced optional things that you need. I don't know if that's a good parallel to draw between what you're describing here, but, I I see how ingress, not only was it the lowest common denominator, but the benefit of that was that everybody got to play. Like anyone who ever made any basic proxy got to make something that worked because it was super basic in terms of what it could do. I could definitely see here where you're talking about these advanced levels of configuration that maybe not all of the simple tools out there will be able to do this if they don't add functionality or something like that.
1: Okay, go, please continue. Yeah that that's exactly it is the the core level of conformance allows a basic level of functionality anybody could create a gateway controller and resulting gateway classes very easily path matching and header matching header matching is core but then you can do regex header matching or some implementation specific one and this is in the custom level and core means it is required to be supported for all implementations. Extended means it doesn't have to be supported. If you do support it, you have to support it in a similar way. So if there is a weight field, you have to implement that weight field in a similar way that's consistent with all the other ones. Just so if people change different gateway controllers, that at least that becomes portable for the ones that support it. And then custom is it's not portable at all. It's vendor specific and. Another advance of the, this API is that there are a lot more extension points. The extension points are not just in annotations okay. we need to provide more flexible ways of extending this API so that vendors can really put in the functionality that might be very valuable, but just unique to their implementation.
0: Right. And also be able to validate it, I assume, so that we're, we're not just guessing at what's thrown in that text field.
1: <laughs> I think I lost them or else my, my, maybe my internet is down.
0: Let me look at some questions. All right um api gateway provides edge load balancing that's a good question we'll see if mark can answer that one when he gets back on he's going to join into okay he's in youtube live chat yeah does it provide edge load balancing so give that one a shot we'll get a couple more questions before we wrap this up luckily we're already in an hour so does the API api gateway provide edge load balancing uh yes it does it says How does the gateway dynamically discover the container IPs and build the map of host header to container IP? I assume this is then stored in the HTTP route store. Is that generic K8s module? Well, I'm going to let Mark answer that. Any load balancer can be modeled by a gateway resource. It discovers the same way that ingress controllers do today. Yeah. So Mark's got the same answer I kind of guessed on. Is the API gateway same as AWS application and network load balancing? Maybe if you're doing stuff outside, well, first off, this is meant to be not an implementation specific solution. So the whole goal of the gateway API is that you're not implementing specific resources for a specific implementation. So like the AWS stuff is going to only work on AWS. So gateway is trying to sit at a higher level. And maybe we could see AWS implement this using their API gateways. They would implement a gateway API so that we could control that stuff through that. Is this supposed to replace Ingress in the end? My guess is that Ingress will stick around because not everyone has these more complex implementation details and Ingress just hit V1 last year you can choose, right? And a lot of us have been able to use ingress so far, just fine. We didn't need any of these other advanced features. So to me, it's two levels of advanced functions. You've got the ingress as a simplistic approach, gateways, a more complex approach with more resources that you have to deal with. So my assumption is they'll both stick around for quite some time. So Mark's talking about it's very likely that many vendors will support both the gateway and ingress specifications. And over time, users will start to use gateway more and more. We've seen a few other resources in Kubernetes over time get phased out as newer, more complementary or advanced uh, functionalities. I'm thinking of replica sets specifically. I can, I can remember that one, the CSI stuff instead of the uh, in binary stuff where we had it one way and then we sort of advanced to another way. But I think it's probably going to take years because we're all just now getting Ingress V1. It's not like it's going to suddenly stop being used, but who knows? Version 1.25, we could see maybe something later on, years ahead, where we're deprecating an older, more limited API. But I think that really is going to depend on the community feedback and what people want. That seems to be how Kubernetes tracks and what the vendors are willing to support and put in the time for us. Yeah. And Mark's agreeing that ingress API is going to be around for a long time. So <laughs> thanks so much, Mark, for being on this show. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode.